Hey friends, Jonathan Rogers here. Before we get started, I wanted to mention a new online writing class that I've put together. It's called Writing with Hobbits. Over six weeks, starting August 18th, we'll read The Hobbit together, and we'll talk about the principles by which Tolkien works his particular kind of magic as a writer. Then we'll apply those principles to our own writing. I'd love to see you there. Find out more at thehabit.co slash hobbits. Welcome to The Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Sandra McCracken is a singer-songwriter in Nashville. Her songs and her singing have been a kind of ballast for me for 20 years. She sings like a person who has come through the valley of the shadow and rejoices all the more in the great light. Sandra McCracken was a founding member of Indelible Grace Music. Uh, She's a part of Rain for Roots. If you have kids, I hope you know about that. She's also written for the Gospel Coalition and Christianity Today. She's just got a lot going on. I think you're going to love hearing what Sandra McCracken has to say. Sandra McCracken, thank you so much for being on the Habit Podcast with me today. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Good to be with you. You know, when I think about what your music has meant to me through the years, I I think about formation. Um, I mean, so I, I first became familiar with your name and your singing through the, um, um, the uh, oh, shoot. Indelible Grace. Indelible Grace, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, which has been so, I mean, that's, it was 20 years ago at least when the first one came yeah. out, I think. Yeah. And, and those, so in case some listeners don't know what I'm talking about, and this is a, a project that started, Kevin Twitt started over when he was, I guess he still is at Belmont. And um, uh, re taking old hymns, and well, maybe you may do a better job of explaining what indelible grace is. Um, yeah, so it's um, it is when I first came to, uh, so I came to Belmont. I met Kevin when I was in St. Louis, actually. So he was the only person I knew in Nashville when I moved here. Really? And uh, yeah, my first friend here, and um, we both. Um, we both loved old hymns we, and, you know, RUF reform university fellowship was like a college ministry that Kevin ended up being really key in and, and still works with college students there at Belmont. And so when I was coming through college, man, it was such a new thing to be in an environment like in a dorm and having these Bible studies and playing eight verses of old hymns with an acoustic guitar, you know, some of them were still traditional tunes, but in that process, um, Kevin would, uh, you know, just cultivate this uh, creative process of like taking an old hymnal with songs and poems that are out of circulation and adding new melodies to them. So, yeah, it's that. I mean, some people call it retuned hymns or um, lots of different names for it, but it's this yeah. unique blend of old and new. Yeah, I, I was I was starting to say before I got off on the history of of uh, of indelible grace that in those 20 years those those hymns have been very formative for me i mean many of them i, I mean some of my you know a lot of my knew but a lot of my didn't mm-hmm. or, you know and of course kevin has a lot to say about how hymns form people mm-hmm. um and then you i know you do you do rain for roots um for for young for little people um mm-hmm. which is very much um about formation right i mean i, I think that's mm-hmm. And I was just curious, what do you do? Do you think in terms of form? I'm, I'm I'm making this music for the purpose of formation. Is that something you think about? 
I think it's really important. Um, you know, there are seasons where we have the luxury, like seasons in your life where you have the luxury of digging in and, and kind of absorbing all of that, studying the theology, memorizing the scripture. And then there are other seasons that you, you really don't have that luxury, whether you have young children or you're in an academic program or whatever. There, there are times, and then you go through crisis or, you know, transition and you have this formation that you rest on. It's like a, you know, it's like a net that holds you in those times. So I think on one hand, I think the formation was probably, I was the recipient of formation. So as a young kid, both my mom and our church, um, I mean, so many different ways of learning and studying words and scripture that that has been with me and has been part of that formation. So when songwriting, songwriting for me is the vocational part, and as that's my vocation. So it, it would it would apply to no matter what your vocation is, right? So if you're um, in whatever field of work, that formation that's happening through discipleship, through being in the Word, then comes out in a thousand different ways in the work that you do. So for us, it was songwriting, and I think for Kevin, it was even songwriting because he ha- he was both a pastor and a musician. And um, and I, and that was a tremendous influence on us as a community as we were coming through college. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I, I think about a song like um, We Will Feast in the House of Zion, hmm. which to me feels like it feels formative and has been formative for me, even though I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm you'd think I'd be formed at this point as old as I am, but I'm not fully formed. And, no. and that song... <laughs> Helps form my desires and my longings, you know, little mm-hmm. piece in the house. I mean, the, the, this, the, the way that it um, uh, brings a, you know, a future grace into the present, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I, I guess when I think about that song, I think about the, the power of a song to, um, to shape our desires and to, mm-hmm. to give us something to, to long for. I think it's so mm-hmm. That's not a question. That's a comment. yeah. I'm I'm with you. I think there's uh, something in that that you're talking about, where a song or a piece of art would give us a sense of imagination. That's not just imagination like Disneyland, but that's gospel imagination that takes us um, into like deeper into those promises of of okay, if this is true, then how does it change everything? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how does yeah. it change where we are now? And um, I need that too. I mean, even even writing a song like that, writing those words, and then having, um, and then f- that song following me around all these years. You know, it's like it's I forget it, and then I sing it again, and then it, it becomes new for me. And I need that. Uh, another song like that is a song called Steadfast, which is from Psalm one thirty three. And there have been so many times that I've started a set of music or a performance, or and with those words, I will build my house weather storm or drought on the rock that does not move because most of the time my emotions are like all over the place you know but if i sing that line i just like i have to come back and submit to it again yeah yeah i know i i I feel like so often when we um and this is this isn't just true for songwriting it's true for for all kinds of of writing that that we when, when you write you sit down and you you have just by way, by virtue of the concentration that you're putting into your work, mm. you see truth that hopefully you're, you know, you're, you're writing it for, for other people. Um, but then later when you come back to it later in life, 
as you said, when your circumstances have changed or, or whatever, mm -hmm. you, you um, it's like you're you're reading something that somebody else wrote. It was a, another version of yourself. Yeah. That wrote yeah. it. Uh, and it was a version of yourself that had a that had time to really ponder what's really true, whereas a lot of the times we don't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was talking with a friend the other day about how the spirit of God works um, over the course of our lives in this like it's like a cumulative. It's it is building on itself, you know, to where He will bring something to light in our lives and in our spirit and then um and then he'll bring it up again and then he'll bring it up again and it's just like we it's not that we forget it entirely but we we need those kind of building blocks those reminders those like plot points that would say okay we've made it this far i love that passage it says you know um the uh all the way that you have gone until now, the Lord has carried you. Like the Lord your God has carried you as a father carries his son. And there's a sense of these reminders are part of that being carried. And um, music has a, kind of a strange, mysterious way of doing that. Um, and I don't know that I have any mastery over what that means or how to do that, but it sure is fun to be part of it. Yeah, right, right. Um, in the little intro to... to um, I, I saw a video that you did uh, with a little intro to um, God's Highway. Mm -hmm. You talk about uh, working with, uh, did, did you write that song with Thad Cockrell? I did. Yeah. yeah. And you were talking about Thad and, and how you, you were trying to describe um, the, the sort of struggles that you're in the middle of right then. Mm -hmm. And, and Thad, you know, encouraged you instead to, to instead of my feet are tired, yeah. my feet are strong. My, yeah. My, uh, my eyes are clear. Eyes yeah. Are clear. Like I felt like I was in a fog and I was trying to describe that as a songwriter, you know, and he was like, no, no, think about how the spirituals carry us forward. They, they, they don't sing about right where you are. They sing about where you're going. And I think that that was the invitation into gospel imagination for me. Right. And it changed, you know, the poetry of the song and it's, um, yeah, it, it sure makes that song, um, something that I would come back to for that reason, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the uh, one thing I was thinking about as, as, as I was hearing that story was um, you started with introspection, which is, mm -hmm. which I think is, you know, an important part of the, of yeah. the process. Um, but what made that song work was when you got out of introspection. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And that's a good point. I think, I think introspection um, it it kind of goes hand in hand with lament. So the Psalms also do that very well. The Psalms do introspection. They would give us permission to explore some of the more, what we would think of as like negative emotions. And I do think that there's a place for those in worship. I think like the hymn writers would tell us that that's, that we have permission to sing that on a Sunday morning too, you know, yeah. Ann Steele or Isaac Watts or, you know, some of my favorites where there's, there's clearly like an emotional honesty that you start with and then it ta and then you work through that. Um, and, you know, I was just thinking about that the other day with the song God's Highway. And then I have a new song coming out um, this week, actually. It's called You Are With Me. And, and I wrote that with Leslie Jordan. And that one, the verses really do describe like the fatigue and the the you know this is like an anthem for 2020 but the chorus is you are with me you are for me you've been behind me you go before me i mean there's there is an affirmation of what's true and there's also an acknowledgement of of um 
the introspection of where we are and like looking honestly at that. Um, I guess having that whole dynamic range um, is, I would say that's really important and sometimes we miss out on it. Yeah. I I love the idea of um, for a writer um, thinking in terms of there are things that are true and there are things that are truer. Hmm. And, um, Hmm. you know, hopefully you're moving toward what's truer. Mm-hmm. And your 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 struggle and your your heartache and the fog, you know, mm-hmm. that's true enough. There's no there's no reason. Right. To say, there's no sense in saying that's not true. It is true. Right. It's just not the truest thing about right. you. Um, mm. And I do I do feel, but my my favorite songs of yours are the songs that that move us in that you know that mm. sort of have that movement. You know. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, what do you think about that as a writer, the balance between introspection? I mean, you think about Flannery O'Connor or the the willingness to go all the way in, you know, to, um, I mean, we're using the word introspection, but it's like the shadow of things. Um, And to tell the whole story, you kind of have to, you have to go there, right? (laughs) And then you have to, you know... um, kind of sit in it and then move through it that it's not the end point that the 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 thing we're glorifying is not the emotion you know it's the truer truth yeah Yeah. you know when i teach writing i feel like i'm spending a lot of time um encouraging people to look out instead Mm -hmm. of looking in not because the main reason is I think you don't have to tell many writers to look within. (laughs) That comes natural. If if you weren't an introspective person, you wouldn't be writing in the first place. Uh And so I feel like, you know, as I'm directive, I'm I'm always trying to push people to, to look Mm -hmm. at, at, you know, not what's going on between their ears, but what's going on outside. Yeah. But only as a corrective, right? If, if I if I knew somebody who never looked inside and was trying to be a writer, I would say, "Hey, try being a little more introspective." But um, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I really need to. I mean, it's like the advice people are always giving writers the advice of uh, make sure you you do a lot of reading. I'm like, who needs to tell writers to read more? You know, <laughs> well, um, the uh, it's like telling a teenage boy, make sure you eat three meals a day and a couple of snacks. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's case by case, right? And they're in, that is true. Um, do you find that this is kind of an aside, but do you find that it's harder or easier during this time of like um, stay at home to read more or to concentrate on things like that? I've been asking people that. Um, it's, I'm not sure it's any, I, I've been surprised that it's not any easier. Yeah, me too. Um, in the beginning, I, I, I was so excited about that. I know. <laughs> like, I, I, I have had more just because I've had more time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't, you know, whatever percentage of extra time I've had, I've had, I haven't had that much extra reading, right? Yeah. So yeah. if I've got 30% more time, I've only done 10% more reading, something like okay. that. Okay. I'm making yeah. up new statistics. No, that's good. I <laughs> appreciate that. How about you? Have you been reading more? Yeah, I, but there's, I think there's some, surprising like i'm surprisingly distracted during this time where there's so much space you know it's like it's a real discipline to finish a book or to you know uh not get pulled in 
I mean, and some of that's even just being at home. There's so much to do at home. You know, <laughs> you just think, like when you're out or you're at an office or you're in, in those grooves that we're so used to being in. Um, yeah, it, I think it, uh, it really causes us to have to rethink all of our priorities. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, I mean, so I, I have found it a little harder to write during this time than mm-hmm. usual. And um, however, um, I've been so much more aware of what's going on in my yard. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. more gardening, more, mm-hmm. you know, paying more attention yeah. to birds. And, that, and, and I think that's going to uh, bear fruit. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, I think that's true. Being outside and being together with other people outside, too, because that's the way by which we're connecting. And that's very unique to this time. Yeah, yeah. Can can we talk about the new creation a little bit? Um, I know, I mean, from your connection with uh, Arosha, um, I know you're interested in the old creation. Um, (laughs) <laughs> a lot, um, but but the new creation as well. Um, uh, can you talk about talk to me about how that shapes the way you think about how and why you do your work? Hmm. It's a big. That's a big question. Um, and so I will avoid a theological answer and just kind of say, you know, in just this morning or today when I'm hearing that question, I think of Psalm one oh four and I think of God's. Um, his governing over all things. And then I think about if you watch a National Geographic special or flip through the magazine, there's so much inherent like cruelty in our experience of creation now, right? Like this, like, um, it's hard not to, um, it's important, I think, to pay attention to that. So when I think of new creation, I think of, um, we will not need to lament the cruelty of things as they are. There'll be wholeness even to the cycles and to the way that, you know, yes, that God is providing for all of us. Um, and there is the cycle of life. There is, there. I mean, the omnivore's dilemma. Like, there are all these things to converse about as far as our food and our um, use of the land um, in the old creation, I guess you would say. But um, when I think of the new creation, I think my hope is that um, even there, uh, we are looking ahead to a day where this will have wholeness and there won't be a need to lament or to experience pain or suffering or tears. Um, Because it's so, I mean, it's not only our personal story, it's it's the creation story too. And from that passage in Romans where the creation groans and expectation that I mean, there is there is an there is a longing that when we have our our own personal longings, we are echoing something that's already going on around us. Mm. So we participate in something that's larger than ourselves. And, and I guess going back to what you said about looking outward, that's a way that I have found it very helpful to look outward as someone who's more inclined to look at myself when I when I step out in the woods or um, in a out west and the sky is really big and i mean there there are just reminders in that that we are part of something much bigger than ourselves yeah yeah that's such an important idea that that um i think one thing that that a writer of any kind is doing for readers they care about is is placing their story within a a bigger story Mm. Um, you know saying saying Mm. to the reader to the listener um whatever your story is, it's, it's part of something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's true. And we're drawn to characters in writing that um, not only help us find ourselves, but, but to enlarge our empathy for each other. You know, I think like yeah. Les Rob. I mean, that's one of my favorite stories. You know, we were just talking about it yesterday. Um, and uh, I think that the dynamics of the stories and how interwoven all the characters are, you know, some of the greatest stories remind us of that yeah. connectedness. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Pete Peterson talks about um, stories as, a, as signposts to the new you know, the new creation. I, I don't know that he, mm-hmm. I suppose he originated that idea, but he's, mm-hmm. he talks about it in any, in any case. Um, and, and again, I, I think that's one of the things I, I love about, about what you do. It feels like these signposts to, um, to a, a, a kingdom that's, that's, you know, coming, but it's here and, and, and all, you know, mm-hmm. all that. Um, um, and I, I do think that's, that's such an important, uh, I don't know where I'm going with that, but it's um, mm-hmm. the idea of the, of, of the new creation and, and, and giving readers and listeners a a vision of what, um, yeah, again, where, where we fit into a story that that turns out to be a comedy. It looks like a tragedy from where we sit, but it turns out to be a comedy. Yeah, and I think if if we are, um, and if we are paying attention to the scripture and um, seeing that this new kingdom is actually going to be manifest right where we are. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot that shifts for me around that. So um, in other words, heaven's not just out there and it's just like little cherubs on harps and, you know, but, but that there's this renewal that we talk about. It really does change the work that we're doing now because all of our, um, all of our participation in that is meaningful toward that new kingdom coming. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you are working on a book now. Yes. Uh, and this, <laughs> is this the first time you've ever? Um, yes, so it you, is. You it it is. I mean, you don't have any unpublished books out there. <laughs> no, no. In fact, I've, I, um, I've been really shy about it in a way because I I've done songwriting for my whole life basically. Um, and that feels comfortable to me. That's something that I understand and I can move in and out of, but thinking of myself as a writer is, is something that I've always kind of held at a distance. Um, and I have tried to, uh, practice it and to do more of it. Um, but this is the first time I've ever said yes to something this you know, of this volume. So working on a book and, um, this has been providentially a good year for it with, um, time off the road, you know, and <laughs> I just finished an album that's coming out in October and I found that it was actually really difficult to do both. So I shifted into music and, um, from March through just this last month, um, finishing up an album and now kind of digging headlong into the writing, um, so yeah, I'm trying to, um, push that forward and hope to have it under, like hope to have a good draft of it by the end of the year. Oh, right. And so, I mean, tell me about that, that, that making that shift from writing songs to writing hmm. a book length manuscript. Um, there's a documentary out, um, Joni Mitchell talking about her life and she's a, she's also a painter as you may know, like she did a lot of she, both the songwriter and did a lot of her own, 
um, cover artwork and self-portraits, but she talks about the season of going from recording an album to painting as crop rotation. So she'd put one thing down and pick something else up. So it's a little bit like that, and and trying to shift into something else just feels like letting one thing rest. Um, and I can feel that shift where I don't really need to write songs right this minute, and I can take a little breather from that. And um, trying to be more disciplined with just sitting at the computer for writing and um, and to close everything out, you know, everything else, you know, shut down the email so I can focus. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, do you, I always I don't write songs. It, it so it from where I sit, it feels like it would be the difference between running sprints and sort of going on mm-hmm. a long jog. Is that is that a fair? Um, mm-hmm. Does that make is that the way it feels to you, or is that like I said, this is my totally totally my imagination. <laughs> no, I, no, good. I mean, that's a good question. I, I maybe I could probably let you know in six months if it feels like that i i think some songs come very quickly um for me it's probably just the familiarity with the craft so whereas i feel the comfort level of songs because i've done that for so long and then with the writing i just the self-doubt that comes in when i sit down to write something that's a long chapter is um is something that i have to wrestle with it's more like okay i just wrote this whole thing I don't know if it matters at all. <laughs> you know, it's, the, it's that question of self-doubt that comes in right after that is probably the biggest um, obstacle in the writing. Just because you feel like you, you, you've had enough experience with songwriting to feel like you know yeah. what's what isn't. And- That's probably it. Like, um, I can still write bad songs, but I can identify them pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so those, those still happen regularly, too. But... Um, but maybe just the the confidence around it. Confidence is a big thing in in terms of whatever your work is, um, and it's not something we talk a lot about in like in church circles. I don't know why. Is that funny? This I don't know. But I've been pondering it a lot, and that there is a very strong case to be made that confidence is part of how we're wired to flourish and to do the things we're made to do. I want to hear more about that. Confidence is is a part of of. I, I think you're, I think that's exactly right. I've never thought about it before. Confidence and flourishing. Mm. Yeah. So, the yeah. floor is now open, Sandra. For you to say. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I think I have more questions than answers. Um, but when I think about flourishing, I think about um, acknowledging our limitations. And when we acknowledge the limitations, you can actually flourish within the space you're given. Yeah. Um, the boundaries are, you know, set around us to where... Yeah. Like if you're if you sit if you're teaching writing is it is it like that where if some if you give parameters it's just so much easier to write within oh. parameters right? <laughs> Absolutely, my my students can't. Uh, if I say, hey, just write whatever you feel like it. Yeah. Just wait for the extension request to start coming in. <laughs> yes. Um, no, so but one thing I love about the way you're framing confidence is, or the way you first framed it was. I know when I've done something that's not any good. I think you're absolutely right. I th- I think about one of the, like a personality thing that I've thought about over the years. It's just like, what is the difference between humility, false humility? Like genuine humility is the ability to say, hey, this is this is good. I'm proud of this. 
um, without having to play up the kind of the aw shucks of like, oh, really? I mean, you know, right. and, and I think some of that's just temperament. Some of it is Southern culture that has been, you know, I've been living, swimming in those waters for a long time. And, um, and I think that confidence growth in that is a way of moving forward. And, um, and it's so important as we, as we learn to give, um, what we've learned and everything that we're holding in our hands to the next, you know, hand it over to somebody else. Like we keep handing this on. Um, so I don't know, but you got to know what it is you're holding to be able to give it to the next person to share it. We have a friend who'll show up every now and then and say, I made this chocolate cake. It's amazing. You got to have some. (laughs) Yes. That's it. Yeah. That's That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's like a little bit of a, like, you can stand outside of yourself. There's a sense of looking outward enough to be able to say, that chocolate cake is really good. I I really enjoyed making it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I enjoyed making it. It doesn't necessarily make me a genius or a brilliant, but I made, uh, yeah, that's but right. I made this great chocolate cake. It's just this, it's this thing that's good, and, and I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, let's celebrate it. Mm-hmm. And for some reason in the arts, we... We somehow we don't have the same distance from the chocolate cake yeah. that we have with, with the, the things that have, you know we feel like have come out of our brains or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> to say here's a song I wrote and uh, yeah you're gonna love it. <laughs> yeah. And well, and I think that probably goes hand in hand with the way we experience. Uh, like social media and the way that there's, you know, as, as an artist, that there's this like, um, unnecessary, like you, you share it, you are presenting the chocolate cake, like, kind of every day all the time, (laughs) (laughs) through through social media or through whatever you're doing to promote the work. And I know that feels real weird for, for me and a lot of other artists, but it's also, um, it's not a, there's a way to do it that's authentic and that's celebratory and that's grateful knowing that we're given gifts and we're given those to build each other up. Yeah. Right. We're, we're, we're given gifts, not for our, ourselves, but, but for others. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also to a certain extent for ourselves, but I mean, just, just to, yeah. You know, to, uh, uh, enjoy. Yeah. You know. I mean that, that phrase enjoying ourselves yeah. is, to, to enjoy, to enjoy yourself, and not just yeah. I don't know that that this is an interesting phrase. Enjoying yourself. I mean, it is funny that um, I mean, that makes me think about um, just the Jesus command to um, love the Lord your God, and just this idea of like loving others as you love yourself, because it's implied that we're already going to do that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. Well, okay, Sandra. I always end these conversations with with this question. Okay. Uh, who are the writers who make you want to write? Hmm. I like that question. Um, I have a stack of books right now, and um, you know, I'm trying to. Okay. Who are the writers that make me want to write? I would say um, Flannery O'Connor. Currently, I'm reading Ronald Ruhlhauser, and uh, um, I'm reading a Rich Mullins book, which has been a little while since I've thought about that. A um, by or about? Um, it's the one that was actually written by um, 
Uh, James Brian Smith. So oh. this is the one that's like all these narrative uh, published writings that just kind of explore his life and story. Um, of course, C.S. Lewis. I know that's like such a cliche, but I every time I go back to Lewis, I um, there's just so much there, and yeah. his nonfiction especially. I mean, I think. Yeah. Um, his storytelling is brilliant, but there's so many ways that he describes things. I have um, a grief observed on my bedside table just really? because it's such it's such beautiful question asking, mm -hmm. and I have an old tattered copy that I, I just pick up and read a few chap you know a few paragraphs and um, just love it. So, um, yeah, that's a good starting list for now. I, I need to read more fiction. Um, I have. I need to revisit Gilead. That's on my list. Yeah, um, yeah. You better revisit it soon because there's a you know another one in the series coming out in September. That's right. Uh, that's right. And you've had some. Um, you've had. Uh, how do you say his name? Leaf. Oh, Inger? Life Inger. Life Inger. Yeah. I. Um, I think uh, Peace Like a River was one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, and really enjoyed your conversation with him too. By the way. Uh, what a sweet guy. Yeah. Uh, well, great. Well, Sandra, thank you for yeah, thank you so much. this much time to, to talk to me. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Talk again soon. All right. All right. We'll do later. it. Take care. The Rabbit Room has partnered with Lipscomb University to make this podcast possible. Lipscomb has graciously given us access to their recording studio in the Center for Entertainment and Arts building. We're so grateful for their sponsorship, their encouragement, and the good work they do in Nashville. Special shout out as well to Jess Ray for letting us use her song Too Good as part of this podcast. Visit JessRayMusic.com to hear more of her beautiful songs. The Habit membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co. This podcast was produced by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. All our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate.